test. Welcome tonight to our evening vespers. Uh, just one correction to the bulletin. The hymn, Grant Peace We Pray, is actually hymn 564, not 546, although the lyrics are printed there for us. Please join me then in the Confession of Sin, found on page 120 in the front part of the hymn book. Dearly beloved, we've come together in the presence of God, our Heavenly Father, to render thanks for the great benefits that we have received at His hand to set forth his most worthy praise, to hear his holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and salvation. O come, let us worship him. Let us kneel and bow down before him. Let us confess our sins with penitent hearts and obtain forgiveness by his infinite grace and mercy. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed the devices and desires of our hearts. We have offended against your holy law. We have done those things which we should not have done, and we have not done those things which we should have done. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Spare us and restore us according to the promises you have declared to us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. For his sake, grant that we may live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Lift up your hearts with comfort and joy. The Almighty and merciful Lord has granted us pardon and forgiveness of all of our sins, grace for true repentance and amendment of life, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please rise for our hymn.
Our reading for this evening is taken from St. Paul's letter to Timothy, the first letter to Timothy, chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy, that in me first... Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now, to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray now that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. Back in 2004, police were called to a home in Cleveland, Indiana, and there they found uh, three young women, Ohio, excuse me, (laughs) there they found three young women who had all been abducted off of the streets in the years prior to this, and they had been imprisoned inside of a man's home. Uh, One of them had been locked out in a shed, and others had been kept upstairs in a bedroom. And this man who kidnapped them and imprisoned them um, just did the worst possible things that you could imagine to them during the years that he held them. One of the women was there for 10 years, if you can imagine. And he starved them and abused them in multiple ways. And it was a horrific, horrific situation. And when the story broke, I remember just sitting there listening to it and trying to in any way imagine this and just wanting to cry. It just evoked in you the deepest compassion. And when the story broke on the news, and then national news, of course, um, commentators later went on to say that it was so horrific, the situation, it was so awful and so miserable and pitiful, pitiful that they could not even report all of the details. But luckily, one of the women... Um, found an open screen window and screamed to some neighbors one day when their abductor was gone to get food. And um, through that, some neighbors came and found them and rescued them. But when they came into the home and found these women, they were just overwhelmed with a sense of pity and uh, a sense of just wanting to help somebody in such a horrible situation. And, and that, that feeling that someone gets when you hear about a thing like this, or especially if you witness it, is really what the concept of mercy is all about. It's a, it's a type of love that is provoked in you when you see someone in such a pitiful situation, such a miserable condition, and you just have to help. You just want to help. And um, it, it's when you see somebody who's completely then dependent on a rescuer or someone coming for them. Paul, in our text, is using this word mercy very carefully, uh, that, that God has had mercy on him. And this is what he says, I obtained mercy that in, my, in, in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. So what is the pitiful condition uh, that St. Paul 
must have been in to have to receive mercy from God. Well, he says, I am the chief among sinners. In another place, he says, I am the least among the apostles. I'm the chief among sinners. We, we hear that expression so easily and quickly that, that maybe we don't really take to heart what he's really saying. But this is something that only God himself can teach to us. For someone to be able to look at themselves and say, I'm the chief among sinners. There's no one, there's no one higher in the degree of sin than I am. The Holy Spirit is the one that has to come through the law of God and stir this up in a person's heart to really recognize it about themselves. And notice something here with Paul. The, the focus of the individual Christian is first and foremost on his or her own heart, on his or her own condition. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't recognize sin that's out there in the world in other people or other evil, horrific events like the one I just mentioned. It doesn't mean that we, we can't be aware of all of that either or, or recognize that certain people can fall into awful sins. But it's our own spiritual condition that is the primary concern of the believer. And when the Holy Spirit begins to create that sensitivity in us, that awareness in us, that, that it's my heart that really is where the problem is, where the fountain of wickedness is in this world. That is where he begins this activity inside of us. I remember one of my seminary professors used to say it very clearly when he would talk about this. He would always say, this is something that only God can teach us to recognize this, this desperate, pitiful condition that we're in. This is something that only God can teach us. So this means that if you have come to understand things about yourself and uh, maybe you think of a particular situation in your life or some particular temptation you have fallen to, the fact that that troubles you and bothers you and that you come to this realization, it's a, a good thing to notice that the Holy Spirit is the one alone who works that revelation of your true condition in your heart. But he does this not simply to leave you there. He didn't get Paul to recognize this about himself so that he could just walk away from him and have him kind of crying in the corner about what a miserable, wretched sinner he is. But it's the first step in the rescue process. So how could God rescue us in our miserable condition without at the same time compromising his role as a just judge and as a holy God. How could God accomplish this? How could he go into the world to rescue us in this horrible situation that we're in without kind of losing his justice, the fact that he has to be a just God? Well, the answer would come in himself by himself taking on human flesh and becoming one of us and entering our world and to come into the world to live a perfect life record and then to personally become the sacrifice that would have to be done and taken and given in order to satisfy God's own justice. And that's exactly what he's done for us in his son. And he did that for everybody in this room tonight. Okay, no matter how uh, deeply you recognize your own guilt and sin, there's, boy, there's some nights, there's some days when it just overwhelms you just how bad we can really be, even just in our thoughts. And... 
But God has taken on the step to rescue you, despite how pitiful our condition truly is. And Paul says that, that his very life, Paul's own life, was to become kind of like a beautiful painting of God's mercy, of the fact that God could have this kind of mercy on us. Think, think about Paul. God took one of the greatest persecutors of the church, somebody who made it his mission in life to take people like us who love Christ and to, to try to drive us away from this faith or personally harm us and kill us for doing that. And one of the, God takes one of the people who stood the boldest against the, the doctrine and the teaching of, the sal- of salvation by grace alone. One of the fiercest deniers of Jesus Christ being the very Messiah. And he completely flipped his heart around. Completely flipped him in life. And so Paul's life now, what happened to him, will become a canvas. And Paul says that, that God has set up his entire life as, as kind of a, a place where God could now paint what it is to be saved by grace and to, to, to show that to the world. And he would now become a wonderful pattern because of this for other people who would be likewise brought to faith in Christ. And so this is why Paul says God selected him as an apostle. And this all has to do with God's tender mercy with his pity on Paul and his situation. Paul says, for this reason, in other words, to teach all of us that this is how you get to heaven, okay? to teach all of us that our sins are completely forgiven, to teach all of us someday that the way you are right with God can only be by his pity and mercy through Christ. Paul says, for this reason, I have obtained mercy. So Paul wants you and me to realize that that even though he is the absolute worst, most horrific sinner in the world, we still have a Savior. We still have a God who loves us and has mercy upon us. Now, Paul also goes on here and elsewhere to explain that those of us who've been touched by this grace, who know what a wonderful thing this is, that God has shown us such grace, by that faith in Christ, we are now also made agents of mercy in this world that has a lot of suffering and trouble in it. We don't have to look too far. And God has taken you by not only having you benefit from the tremendous mercy he's shown you, but he now touches your heart in such a way and activates in you and me a desire to want to also show that mercy to other people. Listen to what uh, Dr. Walther, C.F.W. Walther, writes about this. He says, Being a Christian can never be separated from being merciful. Whatever other characteristics are found in the Christian, they are invalid if he lacks mercy. It's such a central part of the Christian faith because it's the very way you and I get to heaven. It's the very way you and I are right with God. And so it evokes in us, it stirs up in us that same sense of mercy to help people in situations where we have opportunity. Think about Paul, who beat up people, imprisoned them, possibly, we know for sure he stood by while at least one was being stoned to death, possibly participated in the murder of some Christians. Think of the conversations that he's having now in heaven with some of those very people that he put to death. 
Think of those conversations and, and how they're all standing now around the throne of Christ and talking about what a wonderful thing the mercy is of God. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please rise for the versicle and Nunc Dimittis.